Welcome to Dr. Lovely's Couch Cafe. It is your host, Dr. Lovely here. I am in a space of gratitude. God is amazingly awesome. And if you don't know, if you haven't experienced or basked in his glory and awesomeness, um, I, I pray that there come a day that you and him become one so much so that you find that space. Because he is so good and and I am um, honored. I am honored. I am honored. I started off last year with a damn near um $2,200 a month job I I closed out the year with a hiring um that granted me double that and the promise of so much more the worship of 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 our god our power and the the powerful name that he utilizes when he drops is Yahuwah Savaot, the God of hosts. Otherwise known as the God of Ibrahim, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. In the Hebrew term, but in English, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am grateful because I was quitting the job, but I told you the things that God said regarding that job. Not only did he preserve me to stay, but to the same person who told me they need my assistance, continued to ask for it. But when I left work Friday with this particular person saying, if you stay, I have plans for you. You may have plans for me. 
But God has greater plans. And God's plans will always exceed my own or anyone else's. Then. I. Listen, listen. While everybody is caught on the hype of the things that are going on around them. I feel like God has exposed some people and things. Because this is. He told me some time ago, if y'all are new, um, he was going to expose some of our people because their ability to 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 do away with uh, to do the works of their own hands for their own financial benefit. But it's scripture on these things. We don't we don't understand this. And I'm not going to get into that scripture today because I want to try my best to get things done as quickly as possible because I've been going over. But at the end of the day, if God wills, he wills. Um, So I had these dialogues last weekend and I was talking to my ex-husband and and we were having um, a conversation about some random things. And he says, um, I, I was telling him I had to go because I was trying to get this. <laughs> y'all know how I can get. I, I told y'all about my uh, me having ADHD. And I easily get sidetracked. But then the long weeks of work and having the weekends off, you want to just relax your mind and your body. You know what I mean? And And adding to the work week. But you have to learn how to have balance because if you don't, you'll find yourself working all the time and not being able to um, rewardingly um, take time for yourself. Because it's the reason why God gave us the Shabbat day. And the Shabbat day is about rest because you don't cook, you don't clean, you don't go out and buy things and do. He said you don't find your own pleasures on the Shabbat day. Meaning you don't do the things that, that that's befitting unto you, but you serve or observe the day in righteousness. And everything that you do has to exhibit a righteous um, ideology. And there shall be no work done of any kind, servile, where you serve other people or you serve yourself. And he constantly talks to us about the works of our hands, Right. The things that we do that, you know, bring forth um, uh, uh, um, we wouldn't say it's pleasurable, but it's still pleasurable because when you work, you get money. Right. The things that we do. Right. Is the progression of our own selves without him in mind a lot of times. But your work should be included in him because he tell us how we should keep the Shabbat, but he also tell how we should keep every day, and our every day should be focused on him in all totality, right? So, long story short, I wasn't doing it, the work, so I was like, I had to get off the phone, and he was, he, he tends to get upset when he doesn't get his way, so I'm like, look, this is, this ain't personal, and, and whatever you thinking is skewed, it's not right, so, Anyway, long story short, I was like, look, I got stuff I got to handle. 
um, I, I, I holler at you later. And I was like, you know how, I was like, I got ADHD. I, I need to get my stuff done. And he was like, oh, don't, 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 don't be saying that. Now here you go with that. I, I ain't even I'll accept that from you. I was like, you ain't got to accept it from me, but it's the truth nonetheless. And I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not making up stuff. You know, this is something I've come to realize. Um, and, and it's just been a while, you know, and you just don't know about this. Long story short. So we, we have this back and forth and. He 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 decides he wants to get intimate, and intimacy still is about um, a, a a discussion that brings forth closeness. So um, he says, um, "Can I be honest with you?" And I said, "Sure, be, be, go ahead." He's like, "Can I be honest with you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead. I'm giving you the green light to go ahead and say whatever it is you feel. I'm listening to what you have to say, non-judgmentally, because for me, that's where I want to be." In a space where I can have a dialogue with someone where my feelings are not involved. And even if my feelings are involved, I'm still going to weigh out the situation, you know, with all humility involved. So anyway, he says, I feel like you, you tend to talk a lot and you over talk not because um, you are incapable, but you, you have this thing about you where you feel like you have to prove your intelligence. We know this, Right. I've said that. I've said that I have um I have that issue, right? Cuz I never thought I was intelligent. So, um when you think about that, then of course, right? I say you're correct. I come to find that out. Now I tend to, you know, deal with it in a different way. So, I said I'm 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 more attentive to that, but the truth about it all, I I do have ADHD. Um, and it exhibits in a whole lot of ways. So I told him, I said, go look it up. And then we had to talk about it later. I said, you look at everything, all the characteristics that prove someone has ADHD, and then we have a conversation. So uh, long story short, we we close up the, the, the damn um, conversation. And maybe a couple minutes later, I get a text message, and it said, I love you, though. I said, oh, shit, nigga, goddamn. Um. And I thought about that uh, very deeply because, niggas, we ain't going down this avenue because I already know where it takes us when we do. Um, and I, I ain't even finna do that. So I uh, I told him, back at you, nigga, goddamn. Because I didn't want him, him to, to think, uh, yeah, we finna get back together because, niggas, that ain't even finna happen. And I ain't saying I ain't thought about it a couple of times when I was sitting in this motherfucker by my damn self. Um, <laughs> but, but nigga, it quickly gets out my mind. Um, so I, I, um, but I thought that was an interesting thing, um, to say the least, because a lot of people think I be making up stuff when I talk about, you know, his relentlessness of, of trying to, you know, re-engage again, and uh, it's funny because today he said the same thing, um, because he's going down memory lane and shit, and I, I need him to understand that our, our divorce is final, I'm not, I'm not going to, um, do that, and I don't want to make him feel like I'm giving him or entertaining what he's after, 
because you still have to be very protective of other people's feelings and and their hearts um, when we engage with them and the importance of how we deal with people. And I've always been, you know, I've tried my best to not wound other people with my actions. I ain't saying I ain't done it, niggas, but I have. And we have to be that careful about people because when we wound them, we 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 damage them, you know, and, and it can be damaging for life. Um, so even in my loneliness, right? Can I be honest with y'all today? Yeah, in my in my loneliness, I could even think about going back to a, a situation that I was delivered out of and how easy can we revert backwards when we ask God to free us of something. So you have to be very particular about your actions in in a in a time when you feel lonely and 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 um disconnected. So with that being said, I had a dialogue yesterday with my daughter and we were talking and I um I got up that morning cuz I was broke niggas, broke broke. And I was like, oh man, it's been a long time since I've been this kind of broke. And to the point where I had to borrow money from somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while. So I I, I told her, I said, I wonder, I'm like, God, I'm trying to do everything that I can to better myself spiritually. Right. And I, I said, uh, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Right. But then I, I was like, maybe am I feeding you? And niggas. So I had a meeting, uh, two meetings yesterday that were powerful as hell. And I just thank God for the, the being connected to people and doing this work in the community. Um, and and God being able to use me to touch other people's lives because we had some moments like that yesterday and I had my daughter with me. So to bring her into those things and let her see these things transpiring, even a blessing happened happen to her. You understand what I'm saying? And when you hear me talking about the importance of parenting um, by action, even in her old age and my older age, I'm still showing her things to empower her as a woman and our responsibility to be stewards of one another. Right. So um, I go looking through the, the table, right? Because I was checking some mail or wasn't that. Because I had told you I was waiting for a large sum of money to come. And me, the, the shit's been sitting on the table all evening. <laughs> I had all this big ass check sitting on my table, and I ain't even know why my dumb ass out here asking for money from people. And it goes to show you how God will meet your needs and you won't even know that he's done it. So I go and put the money in the bank and I had to wait for the check to, to clear and, you know, and whatnot. <laughs> so I'm still broke. 
And as we're sitting in the parking lot, the person I was meeting with, she was like, yeah, we at Wendy's. Y'all want something to eat? I'm like, God. There is not any need you won't meet when we humble ourselves and we seek peace. Because that's it, right? Because y'all know I've been talking about this thing with my mom. And, and seeking peace and letting go of old wounds and how it will bewilder you. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm going to cover something really small and then I'm going to go right into what I was, what my lesson is. And my lesson is on Jeremiah. And I'm, I'm, I'm covering both chapters, so we might run over to about an hour and a half. If I do not, if I do go over that, just know, I'm sorry. But I'm telling you, um, today's lesson is going to be transforming. So the first component I wanted to touch on was love. Um, why? Because <coughs> the power of real love. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then I'm going to be done with it. Um, and... The um the thing about the thing about God is he is amazing and uh he is awake. He is so good. Um, yo. He's so good. But we, 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 we ain't good to him. We ain't good to him at all. No we not. So I need I need y'all to pay attention, um, be reflective, understand that um, if we get in our mind that for Yahweh we live and Yahweh we die, right? If we get that in our minds, right? Oh, where will we be? So, yeah, it's is true love. We find a perplexing pasuk, which means this isn't the last word or it's not ever yet. Sof means end and suk. Right? Uh, Pasuk is a verse in the Bible with Pasuk Muske Amuzi Keli, meaning musical phrase, such that the term literally means end of the verse which is regarding Jacob's love for Rachel and he had such an amazing love for him for her I mean because our perception of love is told from a Greek perspective in the Bible right but when you get a Hebrew understanding of what the what love means is it's a verb, it's action, it's something you do. You've always heard me talk about this before, right? Um, I love with action, right? I prove my love by my actions toward you. I'm going to tell you I love you because we need to hear it. We don't say it enough. 
But not only am I going to tell you, I'm going to show you by my actions. And this is a very different thing. Right? So, um, which is regarding your cove's love for Rachel, Raquel. And... Describing the seven years Jacob was forced to wait before he could marry Rachel. He was for, he was already married to her in everything we know today, right? Because from the Hebrew aspect of a betrothal, it's still it's no different than a marriage. Once you've or the couple have said to themselves, this is something they're going to do and they're exclusive with one another. It's a marriage in the eyesight of God. And if that woman or that man um, violates that that covenant, it's the same penalty of cheating. Oh, shit, niece. Uh-huh. You learned something today. And if you didn't know, now you know. And because you now know you are responsible for all actions. Yeah? From thenceforth, because the thing we have to understand, this is we go is we we are not liable for the things we don't know. But when we know them, we are now held accountable for our actions towards one another. Because it says in the day that you know your sin, you are responsible for what you've already done. Uh Uh-huh. Let that linger a little bit. Selah on that. For y'all that don't know what Selah means in Hebrew, it means to pause. And it's a pausing of reflection. You are to sit and think about what them words mean. So while you read in Psalms and you see it says Selah, that means that verse that you had just heard, that's something you need to ponder on, take account for, and let it sit with you. Okay. Jacob was forced to wait before he could marry Rachel. The Torah tells us that, colon, something important is next, so pay attention to what's coming. He felt that the seven years he waited were just like a few days due to his love for her. Bereshit, Genesis 29 and 20. Now it's... now. Isn't the 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 exact reverse is true today, right? Our perception of marriage. People cannot wait to get married. They get frustrated. Women get mad at niggas and niggas is always running. <laughs> we don't value the people we declare our love or declare that we going to be with you, right? We have a skewed sense of um, connectedness in our relationships today, and it has no honor in it. If you can't honor your commitment to someone, you don't deserve to keep what you got. If it's good, right? Because a lot of times God will bless us with the things that are good, and we won't. Um, we won't. We don't appreciate them. We do a disservice unto them. And in that sense, when God bless you with something, 
we 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 do such a disservice to God when He blesses us with things. A severe cause of longing typically occurs when someone loves someone or even something, but it's monu uh, moment uh, shit momentarily prevented in some way. Right? It is. And that's because a lot of times it's about what we want in something. And then we're not appreciating what God's, uh, his, uh, uh, we honoring God. Let's just keep a shit 100, goddamn. We just doing what we want to do. Let's take it back to what I said with the, the, um, the lesson we talked about the heart, right? What the heart wants. It longs for what it wants. And it's really a selfish aspect, right? When you think about it. But he was willing to wait because what he was waiting for was to lie with his woman. He was already engaged. He lived with her. They were together because he was staying with her father or her parents. So he had access to being around her. So that made the longing different. But his respect for her body, he was okay with that. Moving on, goddamn. Um, for 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 in um for um instance, if a wedding is postponed, this may worry people until the big day. It feels like time is moving more slowly than a turtle. So how can we understand what? I mean, understand why. Despite Yako's immense love for his future bride, Raquel, it felt like just a few days. Most people misunderstand the true essence of love. Love should not be viewed as a pleasurable experience when shared with someone who is pleasurable to be around. I'm going to say this one more time and I want you to take this in. I want you to say lie it. All right. I want you to reflect on the words. Yeah. Love should not be viewed as a pleasurable experience when shared with someone who is pleasurable to be around. Why? Because the, the connection between the two people transcends shit, shit y'all not used to see in the day because most people's love is circumstantial uh, most people's love is 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 selfish it's selfish as hell we are selfish we love selfishly and this is the reason why the weight is hard this is the reason why you want what you want when you want it however you want it and you don't care about anything else this is it But this is why people really don't understand the responsibility of being in a partnership because it transforms beyond your own selfish needs and desires and your ability to be able to give the people that are connected to you what they need is beyond yourself. And because we can't think beyond ourselves, we don't have the capacity to understand what it really means to be in a relationship with someone else. Because people get married 
or link up in relationships for selfish reasons. Which is why we can't really truly understand what true love really is because it's a self-sacrifice. You're sacrificing self. You're dying to self in order to meet the needs of another person. And to be able to do that, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to ensure the productivity of the person you love. It's not about the happiness or dying In order to make someone else feel good over you. But the perfection of you putting the needs of someone else brings you joy. You understand that doing what you're doing or providing the service of self-sacrificing is beyond you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I said that. True love is the desire within a person to contribute and support the beloved. To contribute means to give. But you're not just giving stuff and things. You're giving of yourself unselfishly. The things you give is just stuff. It's vanity. It's vain. Father God in heaven, help us. True love is the desire within a person to contribute and support the beloved. To give. To uplift the person whom you love. The person who is the desire upon you, you will give as well as pour into that Or he or she whom you love. Unselfishly. With gratification of the works that you do. In the lives of that person that you love. Intimately. Withholding nothing back. I'm going to say that one more time. Intimacy means I'm not holding back from you. I'm giving you myself in fullness because I understand what I'm engaged in. Because the other thing, too, is you have to be willing to understand who you are engaged with, who this person is that you're giving yourself to. You have to understand that you've made the vile or the viable choice Of allowing this person to be in your space. Because once again, we take it back to our cultural heritage. We prove the people that are supposed to be in our lives. How do we prove them? We put them to the test. How do we put them to the test? We set boundaries. And they respect the boundaries. They're willing to give you the same thing that you give them. 
moving on. Or to honor and to encourage the beloved. Let me take it back again so I can read the whole sentence into, into its totality so you can really understand where I'm going with this. True love is the, is the, is shit. True love is the desire within a person to contribute and to support the beloved or to honor and to encourage the beloved. All of the things that I just said um, takes the accountability of unselfishness in order to contribute your giving wholeheartedly without holding anything back. In order to support your doing it wholeheartedly without holding anything back. What does it mean to support? I'm doing something. Do you need me? No, baby, I don't need you. But I would love for you to be there. So when I look out in the crowd and I see, or when I'm, I'm discouraged and I'm, or I'm a little afraid, I can see your face out there. And I know you're there to support me. What do you need from me? This is what I need. Okay, I got you. Understand that. It takes an accountability of one not to be able to say, oh man, I can't do it. Oh man, no, uh, oh man, uh, um, yeah, no, I can't got, I, I, yeah, yeah, no, I got this going on. I got that going on. That's about you. But when I say I need you, I need you to be there. Let me see what I can do. I'm dropping everything because you said you need me right now. Understand the difference between the things that I just said. Unselfish, is it not? To honor. I'm going to respect you. I'm not going to disrespect you. I'm not going to make you feel low. I'm not going to take whatever things that you told me and turn them against you. And when I do something wrong, niggas, I'm going to stand up and say, I'm sorry. Baby, I'm sorry. My daughter, my son, I was wrong. And stand on it. Because even parents deserve to apologize to their children when they're wrong. And you don't hold and save face thinking that I'm right all the time. And if I tell my child I'm sorry, I'm lowering myself. Yeah, you got to lower yourself. Because if you teach your child to apologize, they'll learn to do it to someone else. A reflection of who you are when your child walk outside that door. So if they do them disrespectful stuff, where do they get it from? Because children learn from their environment. They learn from what they see. So if they see you disrespecting everybody around you, what you think they're going to do? Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's time to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we don't want to be honest with self. Sometimes we just want to sit and be right and stand in our wrongness and, and puff up our chest to make it seem like we always right. Niggas, no, we are not always right. But to do the right things require one to lower themselves. In Hebrew, that means humility because to lower yourself means you are willing to bow. 
Sometimes you got to do things in order to make peace. Sometimes it's not always about you. Sometimes you got to learn to die to self. Old Father, talk to us today. This is the Hebrew meaning of the word Avah. The word Avah derives from the root word um, Hey and Vet. The The Aramaic meaning to give. To give. Love is a verb, not an emotion or a state of mind, how I'm feeling. I feel like I love you today. I don't love you because you be doing you 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 don't do what I want you to do. Love is action. Love show forth in the works that we do. Is selfless. Reflect on that. Reflect on that. The phrase "I'm in love" does not express a Hebrew notion. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Ooh, because it's about emotion and how you feel. What does the word say about our hearts? It's desperately wicked. No man could know it. No man can know it. But God tells us that our hearts are hardened. Why are they hardened? They're hardened because they seek the things or it seeks the things it desires. And our desires always get our ass in trouble. When we desire something, mm, it's often some shit we don't need. We desire relationships when we fucked up and broken. Apologies for the words for those who feel offended by what I said. But there are no curse words in Hebrew. Therefore, God has nothing to do with it. It is a social construct. What is a social construct? It's a group of people coming together to make decisions on the way society is supposed to be. Not based on what God has already established, what the society is supposed to look like, which is in Torah. Because we, miscon- we misunderstand what Torah really is. It was a series of, 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 of laws and statutes and commands that the city of Judea, or the, the nation of Israel governed themselves by. What would a society be without judgments and statutes? Anarchy. Anarchy is lawlessness. For your New Testament niggas, it already told you that sin is the transgression of the law. Or let me put it back into Hebrew terms. Sin is the transgression of Torah to break it. And if you don't know what Torah is, then you're already sinning because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. 
Your concept of Torah is skewed. But a society needs laws to govern itself. So God gave his people rules and regulations in the way that society is supposed to go. So how is it? Okay, no, no, that's the story. That's going to take me down another road. But just saying. And if you want to know if he took it away, go read all the prophets. Read all of them. Read all of them. He only said he was suspending the sacrificial offerings and tithes, niggas. So while y'all paying tithes, they were suspended. So how are you doing that in the New Testament? Oh, all right, moving on. Just saying. Um, because Anyway, that's a story for another day. We're going to get into some of this stuff. And, and we're going to start getting in, digging all y'all misunderstandings and conceptions and seeing all of the stuff. Y'all incorporating where it come from. Because most of us don't know. Because you are devoid of history. All you do is read the Bible. You won't understand history or how things transpired. And how half of the belief systems in Christianity came about because you don't look it up to see whether God ordained it or not, or if it's a social construct in your religion. Moving on. The phrase I'm in love do not express or translate over or is part of the Hebrew culture or language. The seven years that Jacob worked for Raquel felt like just a few days because Jacob's love for her was for her. And that meant he had to think outside himself. And you always hear me talking about a man's responsibility to cover his woman and family. So the day you decided, nigga men, and take note, nigga women, the day you decided that your relationship with that person is exclusive, you solidified that relationship in the eyes of God. And when you have met or missed your mark as a leader and a headship over her niggas. You violate something in the eyes of God. I'm going to say this one more time. The day you decide to court or be exclusive or to say, baby, you my woman and you going to be, I'm going to be your minion. You've already said before the eyes of God, I am stepping in the role of husbandship for her. And every action in your relationship is judged by that declaration of solidarity that you made to her. Whether or not you understood it and everything that transpired within your relationship at that time, you are accountable for as her head. Now sit with that, niggas. And reflect on that. And understand what that really means. I'll wait. See, the thing about God is this. 
whether you knew or not. That's on you. But you're accountable for leading her. Whether you was leading her blindly, whether you was leading her tyrannically, meaning like a tyrant, like somebody just govern over a person in foolishness and ignorance, you're responsible for every action, wound, or whatever you've done to the woman, you're accountable for it in the eyes of God. If you like it, that's, that's okay, because you already going to learn from it. And if you don't, your problem. I told the baby today, I mean, on Friday, this is my last person I've seen during the week. My God, our kids are hurting, wounded. I saw two kids this week that broke my heart. One is when I left, when she left my room, I got on my knees and I cried. Oh my God, the pain that that child has been through, the things that we subject our children to. I told her, I said, um, I, to- I was teaching her about friends and setting boundaries. And how to understand if they respect her boundaries. And the importance of having conversations instead of being mad at everybody. And most of the time when you're mad at other people, you're just taking it out on them. And- because the real person you're mad at is not there. fathers I told her I said you got to tell people how you feel because if you don't you're holding it And they'll never know because you haven't told them how you feel. It's the same thing when you never tell somebody what they really mean to you. You can't expect them to know it. Once you tell them, they're responsible for it. And I told her, then you leave it with them. And now I ain't got to take it back with me because I didn't already told you. Sometimes we just got to be honest with ourselves. I've made some wrong choices in my life that might have hurt other people. I can't change that, but it's showing the fuck affect me. 
Because anytime I hurt someone, that's on me. I did that. That's on my hands. That's why I learned to apologize and try to be a person of my word. That's why I respected the person that I was with. He told me what his imperfection was. Now, how he handled shit after the facts is a whole other thing. But he was honest about that. And I had to fucking respect that. When he told me I have a hard time keeping my word. But maybe you can show me how to do that. You got to respect someone telling you what they flaws are. But it's something when you tell somebody something. And then they stand on what you. You told them you needed from them. And then you get frustrated when they begin to teach you and show you what you asked them to do. Because that's what I did in our relationship. But it definitely cut the shit out of him sometimes. And it frustrated him. And how do I know? It was always his response. But you asked me to show you how to keep your word. And how do you show people how to keep their word? You hold them accountable for the times they don't keep it. You let them know when they hadn't. But I don't think he remembered telling me those words and nor understood the consequences or the power behind what he said to me. Every time I held him accountable for not keeping his word to me. And it might have looked as if I was judging him harshly. But I was doing what he asked me to do. And that was show him how to keep his word to me. So when we ask people to teach us things, be ready for the consequences of what that looks like. It's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to cause some discomfort in your life. Be willing to be open to the criticisms that come with that. Because when you give someone the green light to hold you accountable for actions or to teach you something, you can teach me was his words. 
And how does teaching come? It comes with correction. You shed light on situations. So be mindful when you say, teach me something. Because you might not be prepared for the uncomfortability that, 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 that that's going to bring into your life. Well, surely, goddamn, is the reason why I didn't record this shit multiple times, goddamn. I, told, I called my baby in today. I said, um, I'm getting ready to do the lesson again. Are you coming in? She said, surely you need to do this alone. So go ahead. God is speaking. Moving on. <sighs> Jacob's love for her was for her and not for himself. The power of a man walking in his true headship, he will always understand that his actions as that head should never be done selfishly. It means he understands his role of teaching his family. Because his responsibility is to lead them in righteous judgment. And what does that mean? It means self-accountability. It means you have to learn how to check your mouth. It means you lead in softness at times. And you can't always be a goddamn tyrant ruling and running all over the damn town like fucking Tasmanian devil. <laughs> y'all know how y'all niggas are. Ain't nobody got to tell you how nigga big can be. Because sometimes, some situations require you to reflect very deeply First of all, your ass shouldn't even be active because a lot of time black men have impulse control issues. You don't know how to control your impulses. You're easily excited. You make decisions rashly. You don't take in consideration holding back and having some sort of thought shit, thought process in the midst of your decision making. The lack of impulse control. How do I control my impulses? Well, when I'm hot-headed, I already know I ain't thinking straight. So I don't make decisions based on my aggression. Or from my feelings. I have to take some time to reflect. Come on here now. Starting off with what I said right in the beginning. Or let me say what I talked about this morning with, with, with Miss Dina. Our school systems do not teach our children critical thinking skills. 
Because if our children had critical thinking skills, they would never choose a gun when they're angry. Critical thinking skills help you to understand consequences. And if you don't fall to your impulses, right, you won't make such rash judgments because you understand the consequences of your actions. And taking a life is a very serious thing. Right? It's a very, very serious thing. Yaakov's love for her was for her and not for himself. On the other hand, when someone is awaiting pleasure, self-driven, because pleasure is self-driven, seven years feels like eternity. Thus, Pasuk is telling us that Yaakov's love for Rachel was rooted in the spiritual sense. You already know how I I talk to you about a black relationship rooted in the spiritual is not about self. It is a love that is encompassed with the father and mind. And every action done in that relationship, you understand the responsibility of those actions that you make. Father God in heaven. Nothing you do is about you. You're thinking about every party that's going to be impacted by your actions. Every decision you make is always with someone else in mind. It's not about you, what you want, when you want it, and however you want it. Not only am I thinking about the people involved, they will, in, they will be involved in our decision making. When parents make decisions and they don't include their kids, they don't talk to them, ask them what they think or feel, you've already done something in error. Because we as a people, we believe that we can make decisions without communicating with our children. Because who are they? They're the kids. But if something is going to impact their life, they should be in on the decision making. And it also teaches them leadership abilities. It also encompasses within them the importance of decision making and understanding that every decision that I make, somebody else is going to be impacted by my decisions. If you included your children in your decision making when they walk away from you and they go on to school grounds or places that they go that you are not there, they are going to consider every party involved in every decision 
decision that they make. And therefore, they will not do anything to bring dishonor in the home and where they live. If we taught our children the things that I say and the things that you hear me talking about, man, what nation of people would we be? How far have we fallen as a people? We we don't consider the needs of others. This is the situation that we're in today. As a therapist, I see every day these children who are so damn disrespectful, but you forgot they're five and they're four and they're and they're, they're, they're um, six and they're walking around here like grown ass people with aggression like grown ass people but somebody taught they ass to behave and to act because they see the shit around them children don't wake up being fucked up it's a reflection of their environment What does the environment look like when our children at age four and five and six are walking around tearing up shit like the Tasmanian devil? I had a six-year-old who repeated the kindergarten. This little child came in my office. Oh, my God. With arrogance. Definitely psychopathic in in the making. And what do I mean by psychopathic in the making? This child was gloating, smiling, talking about how he terrorized his kindergarten room, toe up everything in the room. He hit the teacher and kicked the teacher. And why is he telling me that he kicked and hit his teacher? This nigga smiling like the Joker. And he's saying it with fervor. For those who don't know what fervor means, it means vigor, excitement, like he did something positive. While I'm sitting in the room, this nigga got himself laying all over the ground and he just putting his shoes on his daddy. And and everything in me, I'm saying, don't disrespect your daddy. Stop doing that. You ain't going to talk to him this way. This nigga laughing at me like, nigga, who are you to tell me he let me do it? Where have we come in a society of people where people or uh, these children are walking around like this and I'm just seeing all these grown folks walk around here like little kids. Biblical principle because it says the child will rule over the parent. The child will rule over the parent. What is it? About us. Well, we don't teach accountability anymore in our homes. What's going on? Oh, my God. I I can get lost in there. So I'm going to get myself back to where I need to be. And that's because the the head is sick. That's what the scripture said. The whole head is sick. All the way down to the roots of his foot. The head is the man. This is why they don't want black men in the house. And while y'all around here gloating and talking about the nigga woman, where are you at? Because you made decisions. 
when you choose and chose these women, where do your accountability for your choice making come in at? Stand up and be accountable for your decision making. Because no one gets in a relationship by themselves. And understand what was it about you that attracted the person that you received. Most likely it's because your spiritual life wasn't intact. And you weren't walking in the principles of God. And when we don't walk in the principles of God, our life goes running amok all over the town. But niggas don't like self-accountability and they also don't like people holding them accountable. And that's where we're going to transition. But I'm not done. Let me finish this up and then I'm going to transition and then we're going to finish this up. Nigga woman, there you go again. You always talking shit, trying to make us feel bad, trying to hold us accountable. And you don't, and you don't. Um, make it, you always trying to make it seem like it's always our fault, and, and, and you don't, and you don't, um, you always trying to tell us what to do. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, niggas, oh yeah. Come on, we gotta hold ourselves accountable, we gotta be honest about some shit, and it's time to start standing up and being uh, truthful, and, and being able to, to take on what the heck we see, because we gotta stop playing, we gotta stop playing as a people, our, our, our children are Dying, goddamn. And not only are they dying, this younger generation finna get y'all. Y'all think these kids around here? Well, shit. Wait till these little four, five, and six-year-olds become teenagers. You gonna see what the society look like. And it's our fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. It is. We dropped the ball. Now, I ain't dropped the ball with mans because I raised mine up right. I thank God every day that I understood that I was going to mess it up if I did it by myself. I needed him to guide my hands all over the town. Whew. Yeah. Uh-huh. I needed that. It was rooted in spiritual. In a spiritual how can we know that kind of love has, um, how, how can we know that, I mean, what kind of love one has for another person? Try the test. Try this test. I'm sorry. If... If, 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 if Eliyahu Hanava E would come to see you before your wedding and tells you that your best friend would be much better for your intended spouse, then what would you do? If God came to you right before your wedding and say, this woman is supposed to be for your best friend, what would you do? Ponder on it. Will we be obedient to God's word to us? 
No, because we're selfish. That's what Jacob would have done. Because this was the kind of selfless love that he had for Raquel. Only he he would only he would only he would only want to he only wanted to give. This is true love. Hebraic love. The love that God fortified for his people. To have a broken spirit, a broken and a, a humble heart. Because one who loves someone with their whole heart only wants the best for those whom they love. What will your love do in the lives of others. All right, y'all. We're going to get to this this first chapter of of Jeremiah um cuz I, I this is it's going to it's going to line up perfectly. I believe. And why do I believe that? Come with me, let's do it. And then after I'm done with this first chapter, um, I'll give you about two or three days and then we'll go into the to the rest of it because I don't want to hold you long. If I do it right, I won't. It won't be long. The words of Yahu, the son of Chal Le um, Chal Yahu of the pre of the priests that were in Anathi of the land of Benjamin. This begins. A remarkable collection of writing revealed through the prophet Jeremiah. His 40-year ministry was a tremendous display of faithfulness and courage in the face of great discouragement, opposition, and small results meaning. He was constantly discouraged. And the people constantly fought against him. And in the midst of all of that, there wasn't much that changed in the city during the time. The precise meaning of the name is unknown. With suggest interpretations including Yahuwah finds, um, Yahuwah exalts, and Yahuwah throws down. <laughs> All right. Um, Harrison, who were in um, 
Um, this is Harrison's quote. Um, I'm sorry. Is the person that um, that 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 came from him? Um, who were in Anato since Jeremiah? Since Yermayahu was from a priestly family, it made sense that he lived in Anato, um, which was a small village about three miles from Yerushalayim. It was in the land of Benjamin, but given over as a priestly city, um, you find the the um, precept in. Um, uh, uh, Yeshaya, uh, 21 or Joshua 21, um, and 18. From vent, uh, from vantage points in Anathia, one could clearly see the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem grew up. Not in the great city. I'm sorry, Jeremiah didn't grow up in the city, but within the sight of it, meaning he grew up in a place where he could see the city every day, but he didn't grow up within the city itself. So it was like God <laughs> was, you know, keeping him outside of, of the space, which is interesting in itself, because I didn't really think about that while I was studying. Um, to whom the word of Yahuwah came in the days of uh, Hosheyahu, the son of Ammon, king of Yudan, in the thirteenth year of his reign, to whom the word of Yahuwah came. Um, to new people, Yahuwah is God's name. Um, it's not. It's is um, um, it's it's been removed um from the Bible, and they place the term Lord in there. So, um. You don't have his true name or the name that the people um, called him. And so in that sense of removing his name, a lot of people misunderstand and they think it's, it's talking about Jesus. And it's not. It's talking about the creator. So the misconception of the term Lord is attached to Jesus. And not attributed to the creator. And we're going to get to the history of the Trinity. I promise you we will. Because we got to get to a lot of the misconceptions and understanding of the things that people incorporate. Um, because a lot of times we have no knowledge of it. Because when y'all have Bible study at church or when you have Bible study at church, you don't get into the, the, the fundamentals of Christianity. Or where a lot of the doctrines come from. And where it started. So the first place we're going to get to is Mr. Marcion. Because niggas, we need to deal with him. And from Marcion, we're going to deal with Tertullian. Because Tertullian gave y'all the Trinity. And he also solidified the deification of um, J.C. Moving on. Um... To whom the word of of Yahuwah came. Throughout this book contains the words of Jeremiah. It also contains the word of Yahuwah. This prophecy, like all inspired scripture, 
You notice how it says, to whom the word of Yahweh, the God of Israel, I'm, I'm not saying it, it says the God of Israel, but it says whom the word of Yahweh came in the days. It's telling you that it's God, the creator talking here. In the New Testament, it says the spirit. It doesn't attach anything or anyone to who or what that spirit is. That's one issue with um, a lot of people uh, when it comes to New Testament text, because it's not reflective of all of, of, of all of anything that's that's done in the Old Testament text. It tells you the spirit. What is the spirit? What spirit is talking? Uh, you don't know. But in the Old Testament, it tells you God gave him the word. It wasn't Jeremiah's words. It was God's words to him. And then his action took place. And then the reaction of the people. These are the, 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 the confines of the way we analyze scripture because people don't even analyze it. They just read it. They don't try to gain understanding in what's being said. They take it out of context, meaning if it's removed from what's happening in the scripture at the time you're reading the verse, it's in your own interpretation. And that's air to the Hebrew people because that's not the way they took the to scripture whatever is going on in that text and what it's talking about at that point that's what it means so as soon as we take a verse and we start tell, talking about something that has nothing to do with the context it's already it's it's is already a sin it's a sinful act and it's not it's not it's not acceptable but we'll talk about that stuff at a later time um um this prophecy like all inspired scripture is both the word of man and the word of Jehovah. It is divinely inspired and infallible word of God or Jehovah, but brought through the personality of man. When Jehovah uses a person, he does not erase their personality, which he doesn't. He created you. It, 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 we'll go into that later. Um, He wanted a man with a very gentle and tender heart for this unrewarding ministry for condemnation. Why is it a ministry for condemnation? Because he had condemned the people and he had to tell them to straighten up themselves. This is where most of us get upset about, but it's still not nothing new. Our ancestors behave in the same way that we still see to this day. Um... Yahuwah wanted a man with a very gentle heart and um, very gentle and tender heart because it takes um, a gentle and uh, uh, tender heart to deal with the people of God. And you hear me talk about this all the time. There's times where you got to be strong, but you still have to be gentle in the way you handle them because you will wound them. But you also have to be strong enough to know that you're not going to bow from what you are, um, that what you came to do. You have to be willing not to bend your principle. And that's something else in itself, right? Um, Jeremiah's uh, subsequent career shows that he had this quality of full measure. Um, in the days of Yosh, uh, Yoshayahu, 
uh, Josiah, the King Josiah was one of the, the, the better kings of Judah. He was zealous for reform, meaning he wanted to see change, right? And what he did was important to him because um, he wanted the people to change because all the other kings led the people astray and they and they and they taught them wrong things but he was straightening up all of the wrong that had been done before him and he threw up, threw down all the idols and he cleaned up the the places and and he he tried to to set the people's heart back towards God so not only do you have Jeremiah here but you all have also have the king the two of them working together to, to make change in the city and turn the people's heart back to God. And if we go back to the numerical value, right, of two being establishing a matter, right, it takes two people to to establish a matter. And what, what I mean by that, when the Torah talks about um, when someone sins or does a wrong, in order for judgment to be done against the person, two witnesses has to step up, two or three. In the society we live in today, it only takes one witness to change a person's life. But according to the judgment of God in the land of Israel, it had to be two or three witnesses to say they saw this person doing this wrong. And judgment was based on the testimony of the two to three witnesses. So when we look at the number two here, you have two people establishing and declaring that there is sin in the city. And those two people are testifying to the people of the sin in the city. And Jeremiah's job is to show them what the judgment will be upon them. And I'm still looking for the fallibility of Torah that we were told that it was. Because two to three witnesses that saw a person do a wrong established the fact that it was done. But one witness means that that witness could be corrupt. So God set forth a precedent and said, I need two or three people. To testify that they saw that these things was wrong. And I'm not saying that they won't, but that there wasn't, there weren't checks and balances for that too. Because even if the, the, the people were brought before the magistrate and they said, I still feel like they were bought. Then they brought the matter to the priests and they consulted God on the matter. Oh, niggas, come with me today as a truth is told. So you can understand your ancestors' true heritage and realize some fallibility about the laws that they stole from us, but still told you that yours was fallible. Come on here now, y'all. Y'all like, y'all, y'all, better, y'all better stop playing. According to, 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 to two chron- the second Chronicles, uh, uh, 34 and 2. It was in the eighth year of Josiah's reign that he sought Yahuwah. And a few years later began an aggressive campaign to purify Israel of idolatry and to return to Yahuwah. 
God called these two giants, both Hosea Uh, Yeshia and um, Yeremiah to serve him and his people at the same time. Each supported e- each other. And though they did not leave behind an enduring, transformed Judah, they served Yehoah faithfully and removed every excuse Judah might have off for the judgment that eventually came through Babylon. So they had no excuse. Because everything was cleaned up. You understand me. There is something about true righteousness in the head of the people that lead us. But we don't have these kind of people leading us. But we still look to the unrighteous setup of this this government of ours. To do right by us. To teach righteousness. And we believe our votes change the minds of the people. But we already know that the system is corrupt. It's corrupt from its very inception. But God said he would send, right? A system. For us. And we haven't really comprehended what that really means. This is why we keep hoping in the system and believe votes change things. But there's no righteousness in the system. Selah, niggas. Selah. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Yashar. Yahoo, king of Judah. And the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah. The son of Yahoo, king of Judah. Unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Ah, uh, see, now he didn't cleaned it up. And they still refused to do what was right. And they went into what? Captivity, niggas. Slavery. The mark of Israel. I forgot what prophet it was. I think it's, um, um, not Isaiah. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but I'll get to it later. He said, did you create us to be slaves? Because <laughs> they kept going in slavery. Because niggas, niggas, these niggas be doing too much. But you'll come to find this as we continue on in the book of Jeremiah. Then the word of Yahuwah came unto me. Jeremiah. See, it says that. Then the word of Yahuwah came unto me saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Semicolon here means the next statement is something that you need to reflect on. It's important, right? And before you came forth out the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Hmm. 
before you was even in your mama's belly being formed, before the semen hit the egg, I already knew you personally, me and you. Before you even came out the belly, I already ordained, I sanctified you, I set you up for my purpose. If you won't understand how the more you try to do what you want to do in your life, and all kind of hell is wreaking havoc, it's because you're not in the will of God. He has something formulated for you to do, and you're not doing that thing. And when you're not doing the thing that he caused or he set for you to do, all kind of shit go on in your life. But I know niggas, I know it's the devil. The devil did it. No, niggas hold accountable. Be accountable for your action. God said, I heal and I wound. I bring forth life and I cause death. I do good and I do evil. Who can take you out of my hands? Niggas, basically what he's saying is everything that happens in your life, good and bad, is because of me. So when you don't do the things that I set up for you to do, niggas, oh, well, what was it? It's called, um, as my nigga Roland said, as we talk so uh, greatly, he said he put in his window that he see every day that every action is has an equal and opposite reaction. And when you understand the purpose of God in your life, you know that that which you do well that pleases him causes good um, fruit to be produced in your life. And when you go against the things that he told you to do, niggas, it causes what? All kinds of chaos. What does shalom mean? Shalom means what? Destroy the authority attached to chaos. What is the authority attached to chaos? In the Hebrew pantheon of understanding, it means the shaitan. The deceiver. His, go- his job is to get you to incline to do evil. If you want to understand the works of the shaitan and how it moves, read the book of Job. God also said he tests us. Why does he test us? Well, he put things in, in, inside your sight to see if your heart really is towards him. When things are put around you to incline you to do evil, but if you love God, you're going to do what? You're going to reject the thing that is set before you to cause you to do what? Evil. But not only do you reject it, but there is something that transforms inside of you that takes place as you're going through the process. There is a sharpening of the person. There is a transformation that goes on within you. And that transformation begins to shape your life and change everything out and around you. The more you grow in God, the better person you become. I wound and I heal. I kill and I make alive. I bring good and I bring evil. When we understand the decisions that we make that displease God causes 
all kinds of hell to wreak havoc in our lives when we understand the actions of our cons the, uh, the consequences of our actions we know that we've displeased God in some way but when he said if you do these things Deuteronomy 28 if you do all of these things that I commanded you to do then blessings will befall you overtake you something that overtakes you it it's something that you can't run from. It's going to jump on your ass. And you can't shake it because it's on top of you. And if you don't do these things that I've told you to do, then all of these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Meaning, niggas, if I don't do right by God, and I do something contrary to this word and what he told us me to do. Then what would you do if I... Alright, niggas. Moving on. A prophet to the nations, to Israel, who behave like the nations. Nigga, woman, what you mean? We behave like the nations and, and we um we do we do what we do what we wanna do and we do all the things we, we wanna do um because I'm gonna follow my heart and because my heart is what I wanna do and I'm gonna follow it and I'm gonna do what I wanna do, what I wanna do, however I wanna do it. And I don't care what you say. Um, cause I'm gonna do that. And and I'm a man, Gina. You know how we are. You know. You know, we are a rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-headed, rambunctious, uh, 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 man. We bump up against the grain. We just gonna do what we wanna do, and we don't give a damn. We stand in wrongness. We support wrongness. We do all of those things. Let me take a detour right here. What do I mean we support wrongness? Hold on, let me read this for you real quick, and then I'm gonna go on about my business. Um, cause there's a scripture, right? Obadiah chapter one, 10 through 14 for violence against your brother, your cold shame shall cover you. Understand, remember, Judah and Israel had that beef like the bloods and the crips for violence against your brother. Do we not see that today? Violence against our brothers. Y'all, y'all still think Jesus took away y'all curses? Oh, shit, niggas. Come on here now. Let's get let, let's let's be 100 percent about this. Because here go the curse again for violence against your brother. Shame shall cover you. Are we a people with shame or are we a people without shame? We don't have no shame, but it's still shameful acts. But everywhere we go and people see us, there is shame, right? We, we, we walk slowly, we tiptoe, and we try to make sure people are not judging us because everywhere we go, there's judgment. Shame shall cover you. And you shall be cut off forever. Father God, help us. 
And in the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, they cast lots, niggas, for our holy city. Now you see where it comes from, but let's keep going now. Israel is my firstborn, even my elect. Even you were as one of them. God said that y'all was just as worse as the strangers that came to cancel lots for your city, your place uh, uh, where you had your own ruling, where you rule your own selves. Because we don't know this space. We don't understand what it's like to rule ourselves or govern ourselves. We don't know this. Father God, he said we were just as the strangers. (laughs) This is in in quote, meaning it's it's important, right? This, this, This quoted phrase here. He said, but you should have gazed. You should not have gazed on the day of your brother. In the day of his captivity, meaning you shouldn't have looked upon them and watched. Semicolon, pay attention. Nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, meaning you celebrated the destruction of your brother. Don't we still see that? Look at all the people that looked upon as Cat Williams tore down his other brother. And everybody's just celebrating the destruction and demise of other people by the hands of someone else that was their brothers. There used to be a day when we wouldn't do that. In front of the eyes of other people. But now we celebrate it. Moving on. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of their distress. That's what they get. Mm. You should not have entered in the gates of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. And not only did they celebrate their demise, but they also came into the city and said, oh, this is what's left behind. Let us take it. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped. You got in the way so they couldn't run. Nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the city of the day of distress. Oh, you missing one. This one is hiding. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. Come on now. And the interesting thing that you need to take away from this is you go from looking idly by 
right? When wrong is done, when you see your brothers and sisters doing wrong, we look idly by and we say nothing. We watch to participating or committing the same atrocities against your fellow brethren. So what God is saying as you watched and you said nothing, eventually you begin to do the same thing you you saw because you pretty much condone it with your actions. Silent observers become perpetrators. There's a study. It's called the Broken Window Study. Go look that up. It's something for you to learn from that. Moving back on. So you have these two heavy hitters out here trying to clean up the city. Just two. He said, a prophet to the nations, to Israel, who behave like the nations. In this manner, it is expounded in Safari on the verse, a prophet from your midst in Deuteronomy. 18 and 15, right? I will set up for you and not for those who deny the Torah. Mm, You heard that, right? The Torah is what? The law, right? How then do I fulfill? Remember, a prophet to the nations I made you. To the children of Israel who departed, I'm sorry, who deport themselves with the customs of the nations. And that's what they did. They kept the customs of the nations. Because he told us to do what? When he put us in a captivity that we were no longer, um, <clears throat> that we weren't supposed to keep the customs of the, of the heathens. Christmas niggas, Easter niggas, all them holidays. Uh, attached to other gods. But that's a story for another day too. We keep the, the customs of the other nations. Like about the nations. To give them to drink the cup of poison. The prophet, He brought the prophets. This is what God said. I brought the prophets for the nations. Like about the nations. To them, to drink the cup of poison, to prophesy retribution uh, upon them, as it is said, take this cup of wine of wrath from my hand, and you shall give all the nations drink of it. Another explanation of When you had not yet emerged from the womb, I appointed you is concerning you, I said to Moses. Concerning Israel is what he's told about you now. I will set up a prophet like you, like Moses, like Moses, someone to speak on my behalf to the people to turn their hearts back to, to God. See, our perspective of the seer or the prophet is that they tell us stuff that makes us happy. 
No, niggas, the essence of the prophet in Torah is to turn the hearts of the people towards God. That they will speak his word and warn them of destruction if they don't turn around. That's in Deuteronomy 18, 18. That's the precept. This one reproved them. And this one reproved them. This one prophesied for 40 years. And this one prophesied for 40 years. Then said I, Ah, Adonai Yahowah, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Verse 7, But Yehoah said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send you. And whatsoever I command you to um, command you, you shall speak. But be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says Yehoah. Now, Jeremiah's like, I'm a child. I can't say nothing. I'm just a young child. But God can use anybody, y'all. But you notice the same thing Moses said. I can't speak. He had a stutter, a stammer. He says in verse 9, Then Yehoah put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and Yehoah said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. The words of God will do what? To destroy and pull down and to root out and to throw down. What is it rooting out? Evil, niggas. Unrighteousness. And anything that stands in the way of the people getting back to a place where they will be walking in righteousness. To build and to plant for those that walk in the principle will thrive. How do we know that they were thriving in captivity? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, in the midst of the captivity, they were thriving, but they were still keeping the principles of their forefathers. They didn't follow the things of the other nations. But niggas, we did. We fell, we fell straight to that shit. Uh, moreover, the word of Yahuwah came unto me, saying, Yahu, what do you see? And I said, I see a rod in an almond tree. The rod is used for discipline, which is how... God intends to use it. This particular rod, although, is an almond tree. Jacinius suggests that the sacrifice of the almond branch is connected with the fact that the almond trees are the first to wake up every winter. They are watching trees. Trees that watch for the approach of spring. So the branch will be a watching rod. Okay. If Sodok or Sodeg is a word watch, right? In Hebrew. Why has the King J the KJV put given hasten? A lot of times there's a mistranslation, but 
um, the only reason that I can imagine is that the almond tree um, doesn't just watch for the signs of spring. It also it is also eager for spring to hurry up. Jacinia suggests there is a hurry up sense of the word as well. This idea will seem a little more plausible when the other uses of Sadek or Sadiq and um Jeremiah are um investigated. Other uses of Sadiq to watch. Um evenings shall spoil them. A leper shall watch Sodek over their cities. Everyone that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces because their transgressions are mighty and their blacksiding are increased. Jeremiah chapter 5 and 6. Here Sodek is used to depict a leopard watching and waiting for the gates to open. This sense of hurry up and open so that the people venture forth they can be pounced upon and torn to pieces. And I thought about this as, um, um, you know, before the, the, the people came into the nation of, of, of the Americas, right? The original inhabitants. Because my ancestry is tied to this land. Um, native background. Y'all know this. And that's for the newcomers. Um, did you know a lot of, before they came on the shores, there was a lot of watching. They watched the people first. Before they even came upon the shores and reported back. But that's another story for another day. Um, then say Yahuwah unto me. You have well seen. There's a colon here. Meaning something extremely important is next. For I will hasten my word to perform it. Meaning what I tell you is not going to wait. This is not a prophecy for that's going to be in the future. What I'm telling you is going to happen right now. So when he say, I'm going to hasten my word to perform it, meaning this is going to happen so quick, you ain't even going to, you're going to be like, oh my God, you just said it. And all of a sudden it's happened, right? And the word of Yahuwah came unto me the second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a seething pot and the face thereof is turned Toward the north. And Yahuwah said unto me, Out of the north, an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdom of the north, saying, Yahuwah, semicolon here, um, important next, right? And they shall come, and they shall set everyone his throne. At the entering of the gates of Yerushalayim and against all the walls thereof round about and against the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other Elohims. And worship the works of their hands. Burning incense unto other Elohims. Ain't this what our ancestors are doing now? Talking about they praying to the... I mean, people doing now. Talking about they praying to the ancestors. What is dead people going to do to help you? Your ancestors have died. What can they do to help you? 
But he also said they worship the works of their hands. Most people would associate this with being an idol. But niggas, y'all works, worship the works of your hands now. Oh, I put in these hours. Oh, I got to keep working this job. And you worship the works of your hand because you believe the work that you're doing is, is, is meeting your needs. That's worshiping the works of your hand. You believe the things that you've done by the hands, the things you do. Your jobs and all that stuff is, is just pro- your provision. You worship the works of your hands. You think it's all about the things you're doing. You think you're doing this thing that's providing the provision in your life. <laughs> you believe it's you. You think you're doing this. Ah, niggas, come on here now. Verse 17. You, therefore, gird up your loins, meaning uh, brace yourself. You know how y'all black men still do this today? Y'all grab the seat of y'all pants and arise and speak unto them and all that I've commanded you, colon, meaning extremely important now. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound you before them. Be not dismayed at their faces, or I will confine you, or I confound you before them. Ain't that something? When we get to the meaning of the word confound, right, it means to confuse, causing, he said, he said, don't, be what? He says, therefore, gird up your loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command you, colon, right? Prepare yourself to gird up your loins. We'll get to it. But prepare yourself, right? And say all that I told you to say. Be not dismayed at their faces. Do not be afraid of their faces, right? Don't be, don't get, don't get. Don't worry about what you see in their faces. These I confound you before them to confound, to confuse. He says, say everything I told you to say. Don't be confounded by their faces. If you confounded by their faces, you'll be what? Confused. But let's get to the Hebrew word of the word um, uh, confound. It's the Hebrew word is bobel, right? What is going on right here? They're going into captivity of what? Bobel. What does Babel represents? Confusion. Okay, so um, most people, um, the name of Babel or Babel is only known to us as the name of the city where God confounded the languages. Once again, has to do with what? Language. And he says, Say what I told you to say. Don't get scared by their faces. If you do, I'm going to confound you, meaning I'm going to make you confused. Being afraid of what it is that you have to do is going to cause confusion in your life. Speaking what it is that you need to say to someone causes what? Confusion in your life. But I'm going to keep going here. You're going to get where I'm going. Um, therefore, its name was called Bawel. Because there, Yahuwah confused the language of all the earth. And from there, Yahuwah scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Now, there was a what? A confounding of a people and a scattering. What took place during Babylon? 
there was a confounding of the people and a scattering. The scattering of the Hebrews started with Babel. Some of them came back to the city. Majority of them stayed scattered. Confusion already represents what? A scattering. You don't understand God does everything meticulously by by, um, by purpose. And, and I'm getting to it because we're almost done. But I, I still want you to understand where I'm coming here. Whenever a Hebrew name is given in the text, the following, I mean, and followed by the word because, the text is providing the connection between the name and the reason for the name. In this case, when he told them to be not afraid of their faces and he was going to do what? And he was going to cause them, him to be what? Confounded. But let's keep going here. For this sense, the word confused in the Hebrew word Ba-El or Babel or Bawel um, meaning to be mixed up and it is and it was here that Yehoah mixed up the languages. Increasingly the name Bawel is a mixing up of letters of the words ba ba all right is the is the god of confusion hey come on also meaning what niggas lord all right moving on oh hey go father talk to us today while we may only be familiar with the place name as Ba 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 All or Ba El. As found in Genesis, this name is used two hundred and sixty-two times throughout the biblical text. But instead of translating this name the same way all the time, the translators have chosen to translate as Babylon. Oh, come on here now, Father. It ain't just that. It's also, it's a lot of stuff going on. Anyway, in all its other occurrences, yes, Bab-El or Babylon are one and the same place. And Babylon is the place of confusion. The English language, we also have the word Babel meaning to utter a meaningless confusion of words or sounds, a clear connection between the Hebrew and English. <laughs> Babel. Um, moving on. So the key to this verse in the phrase, she girds her loins, or he girds the, his loins, or to gird up your loins, if you are reading, um, is translated... Dress yourself with strength. Prepare yourself. Get strong, because you got you got work you got work to do. Which I personally think is an injustice of the verse, but the Hebrew literally says, "Gird your loins." The phrase refers to the act of rolling up one's tunic, the common clothing for men. And women at the time, as you heard me say multiple times, as people be with this pants situation and women, I don't know. Um, and tucking it under 
a belt or trying to tie it in a knot. A person would do this to get the tunic out of the way and be able to have freedom of movement. Men would typically gird up their loins if they were getting ready to engage in battle, travel long distances, partake in um, strenuous running, as Alicia did in First Kings nineteen, I mean eighteen and forty six, or perform hard labor. Basically, the phrase is used literally and fig, 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 figuratively. Um, two more verses and then we're done. For behold, I have made you this day a defense city. Ooh, come on now. He's made the prophet a defense city, and a and a and a iron pillar and a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, and the rulers, right? And against the priests thereof, and other and, and the other and the priests, and against the people of the land, meaning everybody in the city was cutting up, and he himself was going to take on the whole city and stir them back to righteousness. Now imagine that today, what that would look like. Someone saying, I'm ready to do a work of God and I'm taking on the whole city to turn them around. Man, you you know exactly what that would look like. We just came out of Christmas. Soon as you tell a nigga Christmas is wrong, they're going to give you every excuse in the book. But it's the worship of other gods. But they don't care. Because they're going to do what their hearts desire. You taking on the whole city of people to turn them back to righteousness already tells you that you got work cut out for yourself. And they shall fight against you. Semicolon, meaning something important is next. But they shall not, they shall not prevail against you. They, they shall not win. They're going to fight. But in all their efforts to fight against you, they will never overcome. And why? Because semicolon is next. He says, for I am with you, says Yehoah, to deliver you. Where do you have to be spiritually to take on a whole city of people? To show them the air of their ways. We live in a society today that people say it's not our business. But what is the, what did I just say earlier? If you what? If you are a silent observer, eventually you become what? A perpetrator. If you sit around and you see people walking wrongly and you say nothing, eventually you're going to do the same thing you see. I leave that with you. A silent observer becomes a perpetrator. Jeremiah took on a whole city of unrighteous people to turn their hearts back to God. You got to be ballsy to do that. Because it looked the same way we see the world today. The first thing we're going to say is, we don't want to offend nobody. 
Well, either you're going to stand for righteousness sake. Or you're going to offend somebody. Because righteousness um, uh, uh, stands us in a place that's going to offend somebody eventually. We ain't supposed to ride in the middle of the fence. We're either supposed to stand wholeheartedly ten toes deep down in our principles. Or we won't. And if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for everything around you. Even the things you know to be wrong. Because we don't want to offend. But what does God say about that? Or what does he say about you? Because he's the one you're accountable for every day you walk outside trying not to offend someone. Say lie on that, family. Say lie on that. I'm sorry I kept you four minutes over. I just want to say I love you. I appreciate you, family. God is good. And I bid you with the, the, um, the Hebrew declaration of our God. Shama Yisrael, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Yahuwah Akkad. Hear, O Israel, Yahuwah our God is one alone. And we shall love him with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, and all our being. And we shall do his will. Every day of our life. I say shalom, salim, shalom, whichever one you choose, it be up to you. Much love and respect. Good night. I will be posting this in the morning. Peace.